everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's John Bozica, 10 until noon, Monday through Friday. Here on 1480 WHBC. John Bozica, 1480 WHBC. One of the... Uh, Things that we've heard a lot about on the show here recently that we have uh, discussed a little bit on the show recently is the term critical race theory, the idea of it, what it means, what it is, how it works. Is it being taught in schools? Should we be concerned with it? We've tried to answer those questions. I felt the best way to answer those questions was to get someone on who could express an expertise on it, opposed to me just trying to read about it and me trying to tell you potentially what I feel about it. So we go to the phone line here, and we bring in Professor Brant Lee, Professor of Law, the Assistant Dean of Diversity and Social Justice Initiatives at the University of Akron. Professor Lee, how are you this morning, sir? I am quite fine. How are you? Good. Doing well, and thanks for joining the program this morning. Oh, no problem. So critical race theory. Let's start with the broad question here, Professor Lee, that everyone out there is kind of wondering the same thing of, which is, what is critical race theory? Because I'm guessing unless I took a law class, I probably don't completely understand what critical race theory is. So could you explain? Even if you did take a law class, you might have very little idea. So, you know, (laughs) one of the questions here is that there's no authority that says, oh, I'm the person who gets to define what this whole sort of body of scholarship is, right? Critical race theory is is kind of a movement, right? It's a bunch of law professors, late 70s and early 80s, who started to develop, um, you know, theories, uh, uh, arguments, uh, law review articles, um, generally uh, in support of uh, more aggressive policies to address racial inequality, right? Um, very loosely grouped. Um, and the, I think the reason it's called critical race theory is that it's critical of the sort of mainstream analysis about what counts as race discrimination uh, up until that point. And so they started to develop these other these other ideas. Um, and that's, you know, that's the nutshell, but it has always been very loose. It's always been a loose conglomeration of scholars interested in advancing racial equity. So... Why is it being discussed so much right now at this juncture in our history, Professor Lee? What what has people really talking about it right now? Well, so we have divergent and polarized um, understandings of how race works in our society and in American history. And most people have learned, right, a mainstream version of history that does not focus on what you know, what the experience of black people has been throughout all that history. And so, you know, I think of critical race theory as merely the effort to tell the story of what America has been like for black people. And um, and if you are attached to a different story, right, then that is a threat to you. Um, so, 
Um, so, you know, we are, we are now sort of focusing on all of the conflicts where we disagree and sort of bringing those out, and this is one of them. You know, I think slowly we have had better and more education about what that black American history has been, um, and, um, and now opponents are focusing on that education as being the source of their problems, right, from their perspective about why society is going in the wrong direction. The experience of someone who is black in America over the course of time tends to be, as you said, what you would view critical race theory as. Professor Brantley is my guest this morning. He is the assistant dean at the University of Akron of uh, diversity and social justice initiatives. Why do you think then there's that hold up there for people? And why do you think there is that source of frustration for people? Is it because it doesn't fit what they were taught in fifth grade social studies, or is it something more complex than that? Well, you know, it um, matches poorly with what they what they uh, uh, what they learned in school, um, but it also matches poorly with their sort of sense of themselves within that story, right? So, um, I, I know that a lot of the critiques, you know, they'll say something. They'll, they'll describe critical race theory as teaching that all whites are racist or teaching that America is inherently racist. And, you know, I have been reading and, and, and studying critical race theory for a long time. Um, and, and I can tell you that none of those, right, none of those articles say that. Um, so, I, you know, some of that is projection, right? People, if people feel like they're always being accused of racism and then they have a uh, enemy to name, right? They, they're saying it's critical race theory that's making me feel like that. Um, but I think what's more important is like, why do you feel like that? Right? To focus on the feeling and not the, you know, not try to to bring in this this academic argument that you know that most people are not really familiar with any of the any of the pieces of. So let's say someone does feel that way. They they do feel like critical race theory has made. America seem like a, an inherently racist nation. Um, what would you say to that person? How would you handle that conversation going forward? And, and what would you tell them maybe to have them see critical race theory in a different light? So if you feel like, um, I, I'm trying to make sure I, I have you right. If, if you feel like um, uh, critical race theory is telling them that America is inherently racist and you think that it is not, Right. Um, what I would say is is simply to uh, to um, reexamine what you know about history and how it looks from the perspective of somebody who's black, right? Because uh, you know when you think about the whole of um, sort of between the Revolutionary War and let's say the Civil War, right? My what I learned in in uh, you know in school about that whole period was that America was expanding across the states that, um, you know, manifest destiny, that's the era when sort of the beginnings of American industrialization happens. And, you know, I don't remember reading or learning very much about the role that slavery played in the economy in society and culture. It's kind of pushed off to the side as something that we're not proud of, right? So we're not going to focus on the fact that we had it. And I don't think it's any mystery that for black people, that's not a side story, right? That's not a 
a little thing that might have been happening in one part of the country, but not really anywhere else and not really our main story. Like that is a main story, right? That lasted, you know, from the, from the um, uh, ratifying of the Constitution to the Civil War is, is, what is that? Like 75 years, right? When, when things were happening in slavery and actually was getting worse and growing. Um, and, you know, not, not much of a peep that I learned about it. Um, and I would say even worse, right, when you learned about Reconstruction, right, what happens after the Civil War, um, I rem- what I remember learning is that the Northerners were corrupt and drunk and that, um, you know, and that the black people were not good uh, managers. Um, and that's why, right, the South wanted to get rid of them. Um, and, you know, Reconstruction is is a should be more focused on right Recon, black people thrived during reconstruction they had the protection of the federal uh government and they voted like in large numbers 90% participation right they voted they established businesses they grew businesses they formed political alliances with poor white people um they they elected officials. They elected senators from the South. You know, when people say Raphael Warnock was the first black senator from the South, they always have to say since since uh, Reconstruction, right? Because there were there were black senators and congressmen and and you know other elected officials from the South during Reconstruction. And so when the North pulled out and the federal protection pulled out, and um, it's you know it's hard to overstate the amount of violence, just mass violence from white people in the South that sort of wiped out all of that progress. It is, and when I think about that period, it is just heartbreaking, right? Um, that you had a glimpse of freedom, you had a glimpse of what could be, and right, all, you know, within 20, 30 years, the black codes come in, Jim Crow comes in, that the black vote diminishes to virtually zero, right, mostly by violent intimidation. And like that's a different vision of what this country is about, right? What during that period um, that most of us don't learn about, and all of that is fairly non-controversial fact, right? So the only thing we're arguing about is is attitude towards it, right? Does this mean that that America is inherently good or inherently bad? Um, I don't think it means America is inherently anything, right? There's 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 good and bad, but unless you confront the bad, right, then you don't really have a good understanding of who you are. Last question for Professor Brantley here from the University of Akron, uh, Professor of Law, Assistant Dean of Diversity and Social Justice Initiatives. Professor Lee, if this makes sense, does it show that America is racist by the fact that it has so much controversy simply with accepting something like this? If that makes sense, does this discussion alone show that America is racist? So, you know, in my own scholarship, I rarely use the word racist because people have mean so many different things by it. Uh, The mainstream vision of what is racist is somebody who is intentionally, right, discriminatory, intentionally biased, doesn't like black people or think that they're inferior, right, or thinks that white people are all right. So, and, and we don't often focus on the impact of policies that have disparate impact, right, that, that create racial inequality. And, and so when people talk about systemic racism or America is a racist country, you know, a lot of times what they mean is we have policies and, and institutions in place that maintain inequality, 
which does not necessarily require any individual to have, you know, harmful intent in their heart. Um, but we, we have a, a mismatch in our vocabulary about that, right? So to ask the question, is America inherently racist, right? Some people think that means, oh, you're saying America, somehow there's an intent behind America, a person who hates black people or who is racist. Um, and certainly not racist in that sense, um, that there are a lot of people for whom confronting facts about racial inequality in America is uncomfortable, is a true thing and a, and a hindrance to achieving, uh, achieving fairness and, or, or even an honest understanding of the racial, racial situation in America. Um, and there is a lot of that, right? There is a lot of different ways in which America has not confronted how racial inequality gets perpetuated. And so if, if by that, right, if that means, if that's what you define as racism, um, you know, you could put it that way. Uh, I tend not to see it in those terms. Professor Lee, uh, fascinating stuff this morning, and I look forward to having you on again in the future because I would like to dive more into this at a, at a later date, maybe when we have more time. But thank you so much for joining today, and uh, thanks for everything that you shared. Oh, no problem. Anytime. Thank you. Have a good one.